Today we're going to continue what we started last week, where we're looking at the I am statements of Jesus. And last week we talked a little bit about how God describes himself in Exodus chapter 3 as I am who I am. This amazing statement that helps us to understand that God exists outside of time, that God always has been, God always is going to be, and yet God is also here with us. And yet the character of God is consistent and unchanging throughout all of eternity. And Jesus comes to show us what God is like and says specifically that he is, I am. He comes and he says, I am here to show you exactly what that unchanging character of God looks like. And he uses these seven statements throughout the book of John to help us to understand the character of God in deeper and deeper ways. Last week, we had Trav Johnson come and share, and he unpacked a couple of those statements. Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, reminding us that Jesus is the one who comes to sustain us and to provide for us. And also that Jesus came to be the light of the world, that Jesus is the one who comes to push back darkness and to help us to see things clearly, to be able to see the way forward. So today, we're going to have a look at a number of other statements that Jesus makes, calling himself the gate, the shepherd, and the vine. And so we're going to unpack those. And so we're going to begin in John chapter 10, verse 7. John chapter 10, verse 7. So you can open that up in your Bibles, or you can go to John chapter 10, verse 7 on your Bible app on your phone, or you can click on the little Bible tab that's just over to the side there and uh, open up to John chapter 10, verse 7. The context for this passage that we're going to look at today is that Jesus has been having a bit of a hard time with some of the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day. And he's really wanting to challenge them about whether they're there to help the people that they're leading to be able to experience the things that God has got for them or whether they're actually getting in the way of that. Now, this follows on from a situation that's happened in John chapter 9, which you can read for yourself later throughout the week, where Jesus has healed someone who has been blind all of his life. And the religious leaders really struggle with this. They struggle that he is actually healed. But more than that, they struggle that Jesus is the one who did the healing. They have a real, real hard time working that through. And so as a response to that, Jesus is like, um, guys, are you here to help people to be able to experience the freedom that God's got for them, the way that God wants to set people free? Or are you here just to pile more stuff on them and to get in the way of what life is supposed to be all about? And so in verses one to six, Jesus uses this metaphor of the gate to be able to help them understand a little bit more about what it means for them to make a choice about who he is and what he came to do. And he then unpacks that further because they misunderstand what he's saying and don't really get it. And so we're going to pick it up in verse seven. So John 10 verse seven, Jesus explained to them, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So to understand what Jesus is saying here, we need to understand a little bit more of what life was like in Jesus' day. Uh, because when we think about sheep, I don't know about you, but I think about a paddock with fences. That's kind of the place where sheep generally hang out. But in Jesus' day, sheep were kind of free range sheep. They were able to get around the place a lot more. They were led by shepherds. They were able to kind of wander around the countryside. 
But at night what they would do is go into these walled enclosures. And so there were these enclosures that were built out of stone that had walls, didn't have a roof on it, but had a gate. And so the sheep would go in through the gate and then they would be secure overnight. The shepherd would sit at the gate and would then protect them and make sure that no one or nothing managed to get in and harm the sheep. And so it's interesting that Jesus says, I am the gate. You would think that he would probably say, I am the shepherd. I'm, here the, one, I'm the one who's here to protect the sheep. And he does unpack that more in a little bit. We'll get to that. But initially, Jesus starts by saying, I am the gate. I'm the way for people to be able to go in and out. Now, a little bit later on in John, in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can get to God except by going through me. And these two verses, Jesus saying things like he's the gate and he's the way, the truth, and the life, are part of the reason why a lot of people struggle with Christianity. A lot of people feel like Jesus makes these very exclusive statements, which are interpreted this way. It's my way or the highway. Either you do the things that I've told you to do and you believe the set of statements that I've given for you to believe or you're out. In actual fact, what Jesus is saying here is far more radical and far more revolutionary than that. What Jesus is saying is that if you want to experience the fullness of what life is all about, then there's only one way to be able to do that. And that's by going through me. If you want to access life, and think about life as being the insides of that walled enclosure, but you want to access it by trying to climb the walls and get there yourself and kind of sneak in the back way, and in particular, again, remember that Jesus is challenging the religious leaders about this, who were putting all of these rules and rituals and things in place to say, if you want to access God, then you have to do all of these things. Jesus says, actually, if you want to live life that way, that's going to stop you from experiencing what life is all about. That's going to rob and steal from you and ultimately end up destroying you. The only way to experience what life is all about is through me. Now, we often talk about the difference between Christianity and all other belief systems is wrapped up in what we're talking about here. That all other belief systems are about what I have to do. There's a set of things that I have to believe. There's a set of things that I have to do. There's a set of practices that I have to live out. There's a set of uh, circumstances that I've got to work my way through. There's all these things that I'm not allowed to do. And if I somehow manage to get all of that right, then I'm accepted into heaven, or then I'm forgiven, or then I'm able to experience nirvana, or then I'm able to experience enlightenment, whatever it might be that I'm striving towards. But at the end of the day, all other religions and belief systems are about me and what I have to do. Christianity is the only one where Jesus comes to us and says, actually, it's not about you. It's about me. It's about what I have done for you and being able to experience the freedom that comes from that. And so interestingly, what Jesus is saying here is not that he's a gate who's there to keep people out, but actually that he's a gate that's there to give people the opportunity to experience freedom. And I really struggle with this at different times. I don't know about you, but sometimes for me, I find myself doing a whole bunch of things for God, that I find myself reading my Bible, praying, taking the time to volunteer, give of my time, give of my finances, do a whole bunch of different things. But my mindset is very much, this is about doing this stuff for God. And behind that is this understanding that if I can just achieve enough, or if I can just do things the right way, then God will give me what it is that I want. 
that I will then get to experience life. But it's all about me trying to climb up this wall to try and access what I believe is on the other side of it. When in actual fact, what Jesus comes to say is that's not the point. Now, all of those things are really important, but they're all important as a way of being able to experience what, God, uh, what Jesus has already given us the opportunity to be able to experience. Life as we were created to live it. And so Jesus comes to say, I am the gate. I am the one who opens the way for you to experience freedom. So stop trying to live life in a way that robs and steals from you and stops you from being able to experience God's best. And instead, allow me to give you the freedom that's there. So I want to give you an opportunity now to just talk about that for a couple of minutes. It's pretty complex and a pretty heavy way to start things out. But I want to give you the opportunity to just say, in what ways is that metaphor of the gate helpful for you? And in particular, you might like to think through this idea of saying, do I, when I think of Jesus as a gate, think of him as someone who's trying to keep people out, a set of rules, a set of rituals, a set of things that people have to do in order to access what God's got for them? Or do I see Jesus as one who is opening the way for us to experience complete freedom and life the way that it's supposed to be? Take a couple of minutes to talk about that. If you're on your own, take a couple of minutes to jot some thoughts down. If you want to share anything, feel free to do that over in the chat and then we'll come back and we'll look at Jesus's next I am statement. So in verse 11, Jesus then continues this thought by talking about himself now as the good shepherd. So John chapter 10, verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He'll abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me, just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Now again, it's important for us to understand a little bit about the way that shepherds and sheep interacted back in Jesus' day, because if you stop and think about how we normally perceive the idea of farmers and sheep, you're probably thinking like me, you think of a farmer who's sitting on their motorbike or in their ute behind the sheep with some sheepdogs who are driving the sheep forward. But in Jesus' day in the Middle East, it was a very different way of leading the sheep. The shepherd, rather than being behind and kind of pushing the sheep forward, would stand in front of the sheep and would lead them by calling them. And so the sheep would actually get to know the shepherd, listen to the shepherd's voice, and would therefore follow. Now this is a beautiful image that's been used right throughout the Old Testament to describe the relationship that God has with the Israelite people that God describes himself as the sheep, uh, the shepherd and the Israelites as the sheep throughout the Old Testament. It's one of the key images that people would have been very, very familiar with. But Jesus takes this to a whole nother level because he says, I'm the shepherd who is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. 
Now again, we think about the realities of sheep just kind of wandering around, shepherds wandering around, and from time to time there would be dangerous animals who would come, like a wolf who would be out to get the sheep. And a real shepherd who cares enough about his sheep would lay his life down for the sheep, would say, I have to put myself out there, put myself in between the sheep and this danger in order to save the sheep. And so there's this beautiful picture of the intimacy that we see between sheep and shepherds. This idea that the sheep know the shepherd, they trust the shepherd's voice, they've heard the shepherd's voice long enough to be able to follow and trust that the shepherd is going to lead them in the right direction. But also this sense of trust that the shepherd is going to look out for us and is going to look after us. But Jesus actually takes that even further because he says not only is there that sense of intimacy, but he says the level of connection that the sheep are able to have with him as the good shepherd is the same as the relationship that he has with the Father. The same way in which the Father and Jesus as the Son know each other completely, understand each other, hear each other's voice, recognize each other's voice, respond to each other, that's the level of intimacy and connection that Jesus is offering to us. Which when you stop and think about it, is absolutely mind-blowing and staggering. Now, Jesus contrasts this again, remember the context that we're talking about here, with the religious leaders who don't have that heart for the sheep at all. In fact, Jesus kind of likens them to these hired hands who are just in it for the money and the first sign of danger or the first sign of things getting difficult, they're like, these aren't my sheep, I'm out of here. And they run in the opposite direction. And so Jesus says, that's not what I've come to do at all. I am here to genuinely care for and protect the sheep, to cultivate a relationship where you can get to know my voice, where you can trust me to lead you and trust me that I come to lay my life down, to give myself fully for you so that again, you can experience life as it was always supposed to be. But Jesus takes this even further and says that's not just for the chosen people of Israel, not just for Jewish people, but this is actually something that's going to be open for everyone, Jewish and non-Jewish people, Gentile people. And Jesus come, says, I have come to give this opportunity for everyone to have this kind of connection and relationship with me. So, same question, I want to give you an opportunity to say, in what ways is that metaphor of Jesus as a good shepherd helpful for you? Take a couple of moments to be able to discuss that together or jot down some thoughts. But in what ways is it helpful to think of Jesus as a shepherd? Well, if there's anything that you'd like to share from what you have just been discussing or what you've been jotting down, remember you can feel free uh, to share that with the rest of us over there in the chat. But the third image that Jesus uses is the image of a vine. And so this is John chapter 15, verses 1 to 5. So flip over a couple of pages or scroll down a little bit further or flip through a couple more pages on your app or over on the Bible tab there and go to John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. 
remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Now here we have another image that would have been very familiar to the people that Jesus was talking to. It's another of the pictures that were given throughout the Old Testament of the relationship that God had with the Israelite people, of God being a gardener and the Israelites being a vine. And so there's this recognition throughout the Old Testament about the times when the vine was healthy and flourishing and the times when the vine was kind of in a little bit of trouble, times when God as the gardener needed to do some pruning of the vine and so on. And so Jesus again says this interesting thing. You would think that Jesus says, I am the gardener, that he's come to tend the vine and to look after the vine. But Jesus says, I am the true vine. And what he's doing here is saying, I'm actually replacing the Israelite people as the chosen people. And I am now the true, actual, real, genuine, authentic, best version of what the vine looks like. And so if you want to have a healthy relationship with God, then you need to stay connected with me. It's not this external, distant relationship anymore. It's this deep sense, again, of intimacy and connection with Jesus. When we think about a vine, we think about the nutrients that flow all the way through the vine. That's what Jesus is saying here, that if we want to be healthy and growing and alive and experience all that God's got for us, we have to stay connected to him. If we want to be people who bear fruit in our lives, then we need to be people who stay connected to him. But Jesus also reminds us that even with that image, a healthy vine still needs to be pruned in order to bear as much fruit as it can and to stay healthy. And so when we think about pruning, we recognise that it's a painful process, but it's always got good at the heart of the purpose behind it. And so when I think about the pruning that I do on the rose bushes that we've got at our house, but I'm kind of a very amateur garden, so I think more about people like Dulcie and her amazing garden that she's got at her place, or people like Arthur and Fatula who've got this amazing fruit orchard at their place. When I think about them taking the time to prune the plants that they've got, they don't do it just so they can cut some things back. They do it with a genuine heart to say, how can I help these plants or these trees to be as healthy as possible so that they can produce as many flowers or as much fruit as possible? And that's the heart that God has got for us as well. That the pruning that he wants to do in our lives is not because he just wants to cut some things back or make us go through difficult times. God's heart is always that we can be as healthy as possible and that we can bear as much fruit as possible as we stay connected to Jesus. And so I'm really challenged by that idea of saying, am I willing to open myself up to some things that might be painful that God might want to cut off in my life? Bad habits that aren't healthy for me. Bad thought patterns that aren't helpful or healthy for me. Bad thought patterns that don't help to produce fruit in my life. And even sometimes things that might be good things to do, there's nothing necessarily wrong with them, but things that ultimately won't allow me to be able to produce all of the fruit that God wants to be able to produce in my life. Being able to be intentional about the ways in which I do spend my time, the ways in which I spend my money, the things that I invest in. To be able to say, how do I allow God to prune things so that I can be focused on the things that I know Jesus is going to produce the most fruit out of 
as I stay connected to him. But I also come back to this idea that I talked about earlier about how a lot of the time when I'm thinking about my spiritual disciplines, they're often about a to-do list or thinking that I can kind of climb over the wall. In reality, all of the spiritual disciplines that I try to focus on are things that are just about staying connected to Jesus, receiving nutrients from him. I want to read scripture so that I can receive more from him. I want to take time to do centering and breathing prayers to be able to slow down and receive the nutrients of peace that I know that he's got for me. I want to be able to tap into his perspectives. I want to be able to tap into his priorities and to receive the nutrients that he's got for me. So, same question. I want to give you an opportunity to be able to reflect together. In what ways do you find this metaphor of Jesus as the vine helpful for you? Turn to each other, take some time to discuss that or jot some thoughts down and then we'll come back together and we'll wrap things up. Well, I hope that you have found it helpful to uh, spend these couple of weeks digging into some of the I am statements that Jesus gives us. Again, as a reminder, these help us to understand more about the great I am. That these statements really help us to understand more about what the character of God is like, but also what the character of God has always been like and is always going to be like. And Jesus comes to reveal that to us, to help us to understand that as the bread of life, God is the one who wants to sustain us and provide for us. And Jesus comes to do that. As the light of the world, Jesus comes to shine light into the darkness, to show the way forward for us, to represent the heart of God. As the gate and as the way, the truth and the life, Jesus comes to give us an opportunity to experience the freedom that comes from living the way that we were created to live, where it's not about us and what we have to do, but it's about what God has done for us through Jesus. As the shepherd, Jesus comes to show us that he cares for us, that he wants to have this intimate relationship where we learn to hear his voice and to be able to trust him to lead us. And to know that ultimately he will not allow things to come and harm us. That he will lay his life down for us. And as the vine, he reminds us that he wants to give us the nutrients for us to be able to flourish. And that the hard times that we go through, the pruning that we need to experience in our lives is always and only so that we can be healthy and so that we can bear the fruit that he's got for us. So as we head out into this week, we're going to take some time to be able to pray that we would continue to understand and discover more and more about who Jesus is. It blows my mind when I stop and think about it. This is just a couple of snapshots of all that Jesus says. He's so amazing and so profound and he shows us what God is like. And so I'm going to pray that we can continue to get to know him as we head into this week and in doing so that we can continue to have our perceptions and our perspectives about who God is shaped by the reality of who Jesus has shown that he is. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful that you are the eternal one, that you're the one who exists outside of time. And because of that, that you are unchanging, that you always have been, always will be, and are the same today in the way that we encounter you. And Jesus, we thank you that you come to show us what God is like 
So we don't have to spend time wondering. We don't have to have that sense of distance about our relationship with God. We get to see God up close and personal because of you. And so we thank you for these different statements that you have given us that help us to understand more of your heart, more of what you came to do, but also help us to understand more of the heart of God. As we head into this week, I pray that you would continue to remind us of how passionate you are about us experiencing life. That you come not to exclude people, not to shut people out, not to keep people away. You come not to put a bunch of rules in place and to weigh us down with expectations, but to bring freedom into our lives so that we can live the way that we were created to live, so that we can experience all that you have for us, so that we can flourish and so that we can bear the fruit that you have for us to bear. So as we head into this week, I pray that you would help us to hear your voice, to continue to follow you and to continue to see where you lead us. In your name we pray. Amen.